You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Just one more quick announcement. Um, If you are a member of CBC, um, you are gonna get an email next Sunday. And it's going to be, we're doing a membership renewal. Um, we've never done one, 13 and a half years. Um, we need, for, there's multiple reasons. The, big, the biggest reason is we want to know who's still all in with us. Um, and so we need to know uh, who our members are. Because as elders, one day I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for those who are members of this church. Not just everyone who comes to the door, but those how we shepherded our, our membership. And so... Uh, and Hebrews 13 is very clear about this. And so if you are a member, you're gonna get an email. It's just gonna ask you, are you still in? Are you still committed to the to mission of CBC and the mission of God? And are you joining arms with us? And it's gonna ask you a few questions. Um, it shouldn't take you long. It's gonna give you an opportunity to, to share some thoughts if you have some for us. It'll be helpful feedback. So we need to get our hands around. We, over 13 years, we've had a lot of people move away. I mean, we got folks that are like got saved in 2006 that have been married with five kids now and they're gone and they're still members. So there's some cleanup there too. But ultimately, we wanna know who's here, who's in. Uh, if, you, if you are a member, you don't get an email, check your spam or call us. Um, and so we're going to just renew that and get some accurate data for also for planning, for church planning, for, for groups. There's a lot that goes into this, but ultimately we wanna know who our folks are, who's running with us. Um, and we're gonna do this every two years from now on. So there's a, uh, there's a constant reminder of who's, who are, who are the, the membership of CBC because we are on a mission together, right? We are doing this together. And so just be looking for that next Sunday afternoon, all right? If you don't get an email, that means you're probably not a member. Um, and so if you think you're a member and you're not, uh, call us and we'll, we'll talk about that with you. So if you have a Bible, we're in Genesis 27. Genesis 27 started a new series a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's probably one close to you in a seat. You can grab that one. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. So you just open that up and 27 chapters in, we're there. Or it'll be on the screen, most of, most of the text. You can follow along that way. Or you can go real quick to the app store and download the ESV app and there it is too. So all sorts of ways you can follow along with us. Um, like many men in the room, and probably some ladies too, but especially the men, I like to do things my way, just the way it is, right? Um, I like to do things that I like to do. And some of you have heard some of my failures in the past where this has led me. Uh, so for instance, my lawnmower, which is working now, not because I fixed it, because I tried to and I broke it. So, so you've heard my tales of my way before. Let me give you another one. Uh, just so you remi- reminded how broken your pastor is. Um, so a couple months ago, uh, I needed to change the oil in my car. Um, and uh, I, I've changed, that's one thing I can do in a car. Start it, drive it, change the oil in it. Those are the three things I'm able to do. And so I'm like, I'm gonna change my oil. I've run out of the freebies at the dealership. And my wife's like, no, no, you just need to take it to the dealership, honey, and get it done. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. They'll charge me like 85 bucks. I can do it for 49.99. All right, so I'm gonna do it my way. Right, so sure enough, I find it's a diesel and it's an older car, so it's not, I'm not thinking this is like a, you know, it's a 2012, so it's not like it should be some modern thing. So I go, I find there's a specific oil for this car, for a diesel engine, find it, awesome. I get the oil filter, I look at this oil filter, it doesn't look like my Honda's oil filter, it looked kind of crazy, should have been a warning sign right there, but I'm like, oh, I got this, I'll figure it out, right, I'll Google it. So I come to office early, I bring my ramps, I got my, you know, I got my oil pan, I got my ratchet set, which is not the nicest in the world, but it's got the basics, it's good enough for my Honda, and so I'm like, yeah, I can do this. So I get up under there, and there's literally 300 screws to unscrew, and of course, because the Germans hate us, 
there's three different heads of different screws. So I'm like, and none of them are a Phillips head, by the way. They're not like, oh, it wouldn't do something so simple. It's some weird thing. So I'd spend 40 minutes all the way, get it undone. All right, good. All right, there's the, there's the oil plug. All I have to do is unscrew that baby. The oil comes out, change the filter, I'm done. It's, it's a size that I've never seen before. And so I get on my phone, what size is the oil plug? 19 millimeter. No one in the world uses a 19 millimeter except for this car and the Volkswagen dealership, probably, right? And so I call up a buddy who just so happens to have a 19 millimeter. I'm like, praise God, I'm gonna come over and get that, right? But I said, I better check something first, just because. I check, how do I actually change the oil filter? Because I'm looking for it. Normally it's up underneath the thing, you unscrew it, the oil comes out. I find this thing, it's tucked away like a heart behind the lungs. And there's another piece that I'm supposed to have is another ratchet that I have to have. And I have to actually buy the head to the ratchet too because it's the normal won't work. And that's like $38 according to Amazon. And so I finally realize at this point, my way is not good. So I don't go and get the 19 millimeter. I take an hour to, you know, all 3,000 little, you know, go all the way through. And I humbly drive myself to the oil change place the one redeeming thing is that the oil change place, they did not have the filter for my car. And so I was able to give them my oil. I said, here you go. And they gave me a $15 credit and I only paid $11 for the filter. So I made $4. I saved $4. <laughs> Two hours, $4. $2 an hour. Got to go, took, I took the oil back to the auto zone or whatever. I don't remember what, but I'm probably the first person in history that took oil back to this place. I'm like, I don't need this. They looked at me like a moron. I was a moron. I tried to do it my way. And my way ended up, fortunately, not destroying the car. Um, but we're all governed by something in life, right? How we make choices, how we make decisions, where we wanna go, what are we gonna do, the direction of our life. And I think so often, if we're truly honest, we are led by my way. My way. What do I think? And, and the question we gotta ask this morning is this. Is that the best way? And the answer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you, if you say, I am a, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, he is my Lord, I put my faith in him for the forgiveness of my sins, and, and that, not everyone in this room there is there, I get that. So if you're not, uh, that I, I'm glad you're here. But for, if you are a follower of Jesus, and you say, yes, I, he's my Lord, then there is a better way. Right, And that's what we're gonna look at as we look at Genesis 27 today, all right? Genesis 27, and we're gonna cover 40 verses. We've entitled this series, Meant for Good, because what we've seen is God has a plan and he is working it out, and it started uh, right after the fall and sin enters, and he says, there's gonna be one, the seed of a woman, one day, down the line, it will crush the head of the serpent. Right, the virgin will give birth to Messiah. And, and, and as we've kind of unpacked Genesis a little bit, we saw that, that, that line, that seed of a woman's gonna come through a man named Abraham, who shouldn't have been able to have kids, but he had kids, and he had one at 100 years old, and he named him Isaac. And that that blessing was gonna come, that Messiah was gonna come down through that line of Isaac. And then we saw Isaac a couple weeks ago. He had twins, right? He had one twin named Harry and one twin named Cheater, right? That's what their names mean. And God said, it's not Harry who's the older, it's the younger, Jacob. That's the one the Messiah is gonna come through. And we saw that these two brothers, these two twins, they've been fighting before they were born, right? Round one, fighting in mama's womb. So she's like, what's wrong with me? Round two, as soon as they come out, they're born. The second one's trying to trip him out of the womb. He's grabbing his heel. That's why they call him cheater or tripper. 
Round three we saw a few weeks ago, if you've been with us, where the younger tricked the older into selling his birthright for a bowl of chunky soup. And then today round four is gonna show up and it's gonna get nasty. Round four is gonna be ugly, right? Because we're gonna see a bunch of people that do it my way. See where it leads. And, this, and here's just why this is here. Not only just for us, the original audience of this book, understand Moses wrote this, this book, first five books of the Bible. Jesus says that Moses wrote them, so Jesus' word is good enough for me, despite what all the critics say, right? So Jesus says Moses wrote this. Moses is writing this book to a group of people that are wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, right? And they are wandering around the wilderness. You know why? Because their parents did it my way. And so this is just a reminder. When you guys do finally get into the land, don't do what your mom and daddy did. And it's a reminder for us living 4,000 years later. Don't do it your way. There's a better way. So that's where we're going. Uh, And this is, again, one of the proofs that the Bible is true is the fact that it includes stories like this. Because if you were trying to trick people or make something up, you would not put stories like this in the Bible. Right? It'd be like you. You're not gonna put what your family looks like 90% of the time on Instagram. You're gonna put it on Christmas morning when everyone's in their matching jammies and got their, you know, everyone's smiling and makeup on. You, you're gonna put that on. That's, if you're trying to trick people, that's what you do. This is an honest look at, at what happens. Because God wants us to see, do it my way. See, see something greater. Because these guys, even though they're the heroes of the faith, aren't very good heroes. So it's a warning and encouragement to us. There's a better way. So let's look at it. I'm gonna read quickly. We'll go through, unpack it. It's pretty self-explanatory. Familiar text for many of us. Verse one. When Isaac was old, he's about 100, 130 here, give or take. And so that's old, just in case you were wondering. And his eyes were dim. Okay, his eyes go at 100, mine went at 42, whatever. So that he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he said, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. Yeah, no dead, dead. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Prepare for me a delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So he's like, I'm old, I don't know when I'm gonna die. He actually is not going to die anytime soon. He lives another 40 years. But he's in a rush, Right, he's in a rush because what we're gonna see is he wants to do something his way and when you ever, whenever you wanna do it your way, you're always in a rush, right? Because you don't wanna hear what anyone else has to say and you don't wanna actually think about this because you might actually stop and you might actually get some counsel from someone else that are gonna be like, don't do that. But he's in a rush and so he was going to, he says, I wanna bless you, son. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and kill me a big old deer and cook me up that steak like you know how to do it, and I want to bless you. He's actually trading a blessing for a meal. Where have we seen that before? Right? His daddy, right? But here, here's the thing that's going on here under the radar. If you've been with us, you know this. Uh, this, is, this blessing is a big deal in that culture. This is basically a verbal version of a written will. It is legally binding. So whatever he says is law. And so he, he's about to say, who gets what and who gets this and, and this is what's going to happen when I'm gone. 
And beyond just it being a legally binding thing, it's more significant because of who Isaac is. Isaac is tied to the prophetic line of God. He is, he is involved in what God is doing here. God said, the Messiah is coming through you. God said, whoever you bless, Isaac, I will bless. You're not only a source of blessing, that others are gonna be blessed because of you. And so he is saying, okay, I'm gonna pass along all that propheticness and all that, that blessing to Esau. He's gonna be the one. And if you've been around, you know, wait a minute, got some major problems with that. Because number one, we've seen the Esau is a moral nincompoop. He sold his birthright for what? A bowl of soup. Last week we saw he married not one, but two pagan women just to stick it to the parents. He is not a, this is the guy you want to bless. This is the guy you want to pass this whole leadership thing on to. But that's, just, that's not even the biggest reason. The bigger reason is, hasn't God said who's supposed to be the blessing? The answer, yes. He told mama. And mama said very clearly when she was all, what's going on inside me? And God said, there's two nations and the younger is the one I'm blessing. The older will serve the younger. Do you think Jacob, Isaac doesn't know that? You don't think Rebecca has been reminding, reminding him for 45 years? Just so you know, your hairy son's not the one. It's the smooth-skinned homeboy. He knows what God has said, but he's all in a hurry, and he wants to do it his way, my way, even though he knows what God has said, even though he knows that Esau is a nincompoop. Why? I mean, why, really? Why would he try to circumvent what God is doing? Right? I think the text tells us. It says in verse 4, Prepare for me delicious food such as I love. It says it again in verse nine, that your daddy has food, your father loves this food. It says it again in verse 14, such as his father loved. He's driven by what he loves. And he loves Esau, why? Because he cooks a mean T-bone. He can cook. And you step back and say, you're telling me that he is going to completely blow God off, circumvent what God wants because he likes steak? That's what I'm telling you. And if you think that is pretty weak sauce, that's what you're meant to say. That's what the people in the wilderness are being reminded of. Your parents got to the promised land, sent spies over, Joshua, Caleb, and 10 other knuckleheads. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, it is awesome, it's unbelievable. There's grapes the size of beach balls. There's, it's just unbelievable. And then the other 10 said, yeah, it's true, but there's a bunch of giants. And they all cried and wept and said, we're going back to Egypt. It's better to be slaves. At least they have onions and garlic and leeks. And you're telling me you wanna go back and be a slave where you're killed and beaten just because they have salad? That is absurd. Yes, that's what they're being reminded of. And it's just as silly for him to trade something so high for something so low, a full belly. That's what he's doing. Jacob is ignoring what God has said because he likes a good steak. And it's easy for us to say, man, people were so dumb back then. I'm glad we're so smart and we would never do that. (laughs) I mean, really, we would never trade what God has said for something so low, right? What is... What is it that he's driven by? What, what is he governed by? Because it's not God. He's governed by his gut, his literal gut. And you're like, well, I would never do that. Oh, I know you wouldn't because you're a good Christian. But there are people in the world 
outside of this church that will be like, I know that guy's not good for me. I know that gal's not good for me, but she's hot and he's got money. So I want it. So I'm gonna blow off what God says because he's not a Christian and we're living together, but, but I, I want it. But we, not here, but at other churches, <laughs> at other high schools in town. Or there's, there's teenagers that are like, I know mom and dad said, no, I don't want that, that for you. I don't, you shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't go to that spot. I don't want you going there. But you want it, so you lie and you sneak. Not at this church, not in our youth group, but other youth groups. I know there's, there's people out there that, that they have that nugget of truth that someone in confidence said, I'm struggling with this, I'm this, so have you heard about this, and I want you to pray, and you just, it's so sweet, and you just can't, oh, so good, it's so good, I need to tell somebody, because the Proverbs say that gossip is like a morsel that goes down into your inner parts, and it's delicious. So you just have to go tell and blab, because you want to. But not here, but elsewhere. Right. So, or there's, there's some, and, and maybe this is here, that physically you're not doing well. Not because you're, you know, 83 and your eyes are going dim, because you like McDonald's and pizza. And this sits close to home in the South. Let me just tell you, but I ain't gonna stop doing it. Because I like it, and I know I'm not feeling well, and I'm unhealthy, but I like it. And so you have a, a temple growth program going on that is not godly. And I ain't afraid to talk about it. I'll talk about all sorts of things because you know what? That's, it's true. But I want it. I'm driven by my literal physical appetite and I'm not taking care of the body God has given me. I like it. Or some of us, maybe it's, I know I should be getting a good night's sleep. I know I should wake up in the morning and just spend a few moments with God, whether it's reading his word, whether it's praying, but I had to watch episode four because episode three last night left me hanging and I, had to, I couldn't wait till the night to figure out what happened, so I had to watch episode four. And, and so I was tired and I hit the snooze button, right? And it's just like the Proverbs say, right? That the, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard in his bed. Snooze. Why? Because I wanted to watch it. I wanted it. I wanted to give her a piece of my mind, and I know I shouldn't have vented my spleen for 37 minutes, but I did, and it felt good, and I wanted it. Not our church, but others, governed by our gut, right? That's, that's Isaac. Is it the best way? No. Let me give you Rebecca. So here's Rebecca. Listening when Isaac spoke to his son, and the, and the tense of the verb is, is that, that she is constantly listening. I mean, this is a sneaky little family, all right? This is, this is Melrose Place, Canaan, right? Uh, it's, that's the, that's this, this whole family is just a bunch of sneaks. And so here's Rebecca. She's listening, verse five. Isaac speaks to his son Esau, and when Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, say, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. She's got herself her own little scheme. She's got her own little plan going on here, right? And, and, and she's going to explain it to him. So here it is, verse eight. Now, the, uh, verse nine, go to the flock and bring me two young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves, because we know he's driven by his gut. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Now, Jacob's only pushback on this, 
is not, no, that would be wrong. That would dishonor dad. I can't lie. This is, we can figure out a better way. God has spoken. His only pushback is, my brother's hairy and I'm smooth. My father will feel me and it shall seem mocking to him. It's not going to work, mom. That's his number one pushback. It's, there's no, no way this is far-fetched. His number two pushback is, I'll, be, I'll bring a curse upon myself. What's going to happen to me if dad finds out? It's not about truth. It's about me. And his mother said, let your curse be upon me. I'll take your curse. Right? Just obey my voice. Bring them to me. What is Rebecca governed by? Same thing as her dad, her husband, her gut. Not the physical gut, but my gut reaction, my gut response. What should I do? I got to figure this out. I got to fix this. It's pragmatism. It's the ends justify the means, right? Here's the tricky place for Rebecca. She's kind of right, isn't she? God said, I'm going to bless the younger one. Jacob's the one I choose, not Esau. Not because one's better than the other. They're both nincompoops, but because of God's sovereign choice and his sovereign will. He says, Jacob, I bless. She's right. So for her, she's thinking, well, God said this. So God's not doing nothing. I better step in and intervene. I gotta, I gotta take control of the situation. What should she have done? I don't have an answer. I, maybe go to her husband and say, honey, God, God told us this, and, and I just think you should take your time and pray, and let's talk about this, right? Maybe that's what she should have done. She doesn't, so we'll never know what God would have done, because God's going to accomplish Jacob being blessed. So that, we knew that would happen, but we'll never know what, how it would have happened if she would have kind of stepped back. But she doesn't give God room to act She's got to act. She's got to seize control. She's got to move because God's not doing it. And the ends justify the means. Even if the means are kind of shady, that's where she's at. And it's, by the way, a fulfillment of Genesis chapter three, which says with the curse of sin coming into the world, men are going to be passive. Isaac's passive. The curse on, on, on the wife is she's going to want to control and seize control. That's exactly what she's doing. It's just a fulfillment of what Moses has already said. And so she's thinking, the old man will never know. Let's do it. So verse 14, she went and took the goat, right? And he thinks, she's thinking, he thinks this is a deer. I'm cooking Bessie, his favorite goat. Ha, ha, ha. She's making a mockery. And she prepared delicious food such as the father loved. Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her son. She raids Esau's closet. She says, here, try this on, Jacob. Think about how dumb Jacob looked. Because you know he's a little squirmy little guy, right? He's a pencil pusher. He saw his muscle-bound guy. So he's, good. he's like, Mom, man, Dad's gonna know. This doesn't fit. She puts it on Jacob. The skins of the young goat she puts on his hands. It's like gloves, smooth part of his neck. She covers them up. And she put delicious food in the bread which she had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob. She sends him in. So he goes in and says, Dad, my father. He says, here I am. Who are you, my son? He says, first lie, uh, Changes his voice in my sanctified imagination. I am Jacob. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your, my, your soul may bless me. Isaac's like, how did you find it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord granted me my success. Granted me success. The Lord, your God. So here, here's what the original reader picks up on. All right, because remember, they're in the wilderness. They have these things called Ten Commandments. He's already broken three of them, all right? In just these few verses, mama has done this. He's dishonored his father and his mother, check. He has bared false witness, he's lied, check. And now he has invoked the name of Yahweh, of God, 
and brought it into this deal, which is the third commandment. I know some of you in the South especially, you know, when you're like, don't take the Lord God your name in vain, that means don't cuss, right? That's not what it means. I'm not saying you should go cuss, okay? So all the teenagers are like, yeah, I can curse now because I'm not breaking the law. Yeah, don't curse. That's not the point, though. The point of the third commandment is don't invoke the holy name of God into your deal unless he's involved in that deal. And what he has done, he has said, God has done this. He is, he is using God and, as an excuse. That's what the third commandment is. And, and we, we're, just, we're not to do that either, y'all. I mean, if you go to your boss and say, well, God told me to quit. Don't do that. Don't go to your girlfriend, God told me to break up with you. Don't, break, don't let the Holy Spirit break up with your girlfriend. You break up with your girlfriend. Just tell her the truth. I don't like you. You smell. Whatever. I don't know. It'll go better for you than blaming God. Then she's got to blame God and you, right? But the idea is don't bring God into your sin and bring, drop his name. He's done this at his mom's encouragement, right? And so the Lord granted me success. Isaac says, come near. He, he knows something fishy. Come near me. Whether I know you're really my son, Esau, or not. So Jacob went to his father who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's. That little high-pitched you know, voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands, as Esau, feel those gloves, feel that hairy gloves. And he did not recognize them because his hands were hairy and his brother's Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And, and the Hebrew word here is, it's a fancy word, what we call for a, that's, it's about to happen. He hadn't actually blessed him yet, but he's, a, he's fixing to. But he's still, he's still questioning. He's like, something's fishy. I got alarms going off here. So are you really my son, Esau? He says, I am, lies again. He says, bring it near to me that I eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father, Isaac, said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. He's testing one more time. He's like, something's not right. And notice his son kisses him and betrays him with a kiss. Who's that sound like? A couple thousand years later, someone else is betrayed in a garden with a kiss. Jesus. And so he comes near and kisses him, and it's all a test. Isaac wants to get him close so he can smell him, and he smelled the smell of his garments. And this is not a like, oh, he smells nice. It's like obsession for men, okay? This is like B.O. Esau style. Hairy, nasty outdoorsman doesn't shower, and he smells it on his clothes, and he's like, that's my boy. See the smell of my son as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. You ever been in like a cow field, and you're like, yeah, that's Esau. That's the test. And again, he should have known what was, he's in a rush, y'all. And he's being sneaky too, by the way. Isaac's a little sneak because this is something, this blessing that would have been public normally. It's a public reading of a will. He would have, he should have had both sons there. If he has both sons there, is he gonna be fooled? But he's being a little shady. He's in a rush. He's putting it behind the scenes. He wants to get this done because it's my way. I wanna do it before God gets to me. That stops me, Right? So he, he smells him, and he should have, uh, again, he's only got four of his five senses because he can't see. He's got touch, past that one. He's got smell, past that one. He's got taste, past that one. But the ears, that bugs me. It doesn't sound right. But you know what? Three out of four ain't bad. So he blesses him. So he says, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. Nations bow down to you. And here's a, a key line that shows you his heart ain't right. Be Lord of your brothers. He knows his brother is supposed to be subservient to him. He says, no, you're gonna be Lord. He thinks it's Esau. Be Lord of your brothers. Your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. Blessed be everyone who blesses you. The same thing God said to Abraham. However you bless, I bless. 
Same thing God said to Isaac, whoever you bless, I will bless. Now it's getting passed on to, he thinks Esau, but Jacob, right? And so he is blessed and Rebecca gets her way, right? She accomplished her mission. She got what she wanted. Took a little scheming, a little manipulation, and justify the means, but she got it. And here's what I'm here to tell you. Your gut sometimes, it may be right. I should have bought that house. I shouldn't have. I should invest here. But a lot of times your gut, your gut reaction, your response in the moment, it ain't the right response. It does not. But you know why? Because the heart is desperately wicked above all else. And if you ain't walking close with God, your heart is wrong. And let me tell you something else. The ends don't justify the means. The means, Christian, matter. They matter. Anybody in here a uh, Houston Astros fan? <laughs> Nobody wants to raise their hand. You know why? You know why? Because some of you don't follow sports. You have no clue. It's okay. Because they cheat. They cheated. They ain't taking their rings away because it's too late and half the team's gone. They fired everybody. The Dodgers are mad. RJ Lago, a Dodger fan on staff, is bitter for life. They cheated. They won. Now the ends justify the means. It's the same idea. The means matter. And it's, if you're manipulative, if you're governed by my way, it doesn't matter how I get there, I get there. You, get, you don't get to choose how to do God's work. You don't say, I want to do God's work, I'm going to do it my way. That's not how it works. Right? If, God, if you're going to do God's work, you can do it God's way. I get emails all the time, funny emails about marketing and this and church marketing and all these things. I got one like last week. It's like, attract people to your church the same way Disney attracts people. I'm like, I don't want that. What do I want? Fast passes to the communion line? Is that what I'm looking for? <laughs> Expensive tickets to get in? I, no. I, I get the heart behind it. We want to attract people to Jesus and, and we want the church to grow. Jesus wants his church to grow more than we do. But here's the thing. We don't get to choose how that works. God has given us his church growth strategy. You know what it is? You. A spirit-filled, word-equipped Christian going to, this is why we say go be the church. We, we gather to equip with what? The scripture. You get into community with other spirit-filled believers to encourage, to shape you, grow, and then you go. That's God's church growth strategy. If you are getting equipped and you are growing spiritually, you will by nature love your neighbor as yourself because you're loving God. That's a church growth strategy. It's worked okay for us. I mean, we're not blowing it, you know, out 75,000 people, but we've seen people come to faith. We've seen people grow. That's his strategy. I don't, I don't get to go create my own if I'm gonna do God's work, I gotta do it his way. And I see this a ton, y'all, and let me, let me encourage and challenge some of you younger folks because you're not gonna be here forever. You're, you're in college, you're gonna move away. There's so many churches out now are, that are compromising what God has said about things. They think they can go do ministry and they can honor God, but they're gonna blow off what marriage really is. They're gonna blow off what God says about gender. They're gonna blow off what God says about sexuality. They're gonna blow off what God says about heaven and hell. No. You don't get to decide what is true or not. You get to come and come under truth, Amen. right? You're not God. And so you have all these churches that are denying everything God says, but we're gonna go do ministry. No, you're not. You're being just like Rebecca and you're gonna end up where she is. That's why the scriptures are, are so important to us. We put our, this is why our, our first core value of what a, a growing disciple looks like. They put themselves under the scripture. That's gonna be offensive to some people. 
I'm sorry. But Jesus told us this would happen. They don't listen to me because they love their sin rather than the light. Right? And that's, that's where we're at as a nation. So I don't get to choose how I'm gonna do it. I don't need to manipulate. I don't want you to lie to your neighbor and say, hey, I, do I want your neighbor to come to church? Yes, it'd be awesome for them to come. Right? But I don't want you to lie to them and be like, hey, let's get coffee this Sunday morning. Oh, that's great. What, what time? Nine o'clock. Maybe 10.45. Which one? Nine or 10.45. Um, can you, hey, this is a great coffee place at 69th Street. Come. I, I'll buy your cup for free. I don't need you to manipulate and lie to them to get them here. That's God. Yeah, you want to give God's word? No, just say, hey, why don't you come to breakfast with us, and then we'll go to church. And then go. That's, that's a better way. We don't, we don't need to figure it out. The ends don't justify the mean. All right? Our gut feeling, our gut reaction. That's my way. And, and what happens when they do their way is destruction and division. Let me just read verse 30 through 40. I'm not gonna, you don't need to unpack it because it's just, it's just sad. Let's listen to the result here. And I feel for Esau here. I know he's a redneck. I know he's a hairy man. I know he's dumb, but I just feel for him here, and I feel for his daddy, because the, 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 it's just sad. Look at verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from his father's presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He said, I am, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled. He starts shaking violently. Well, who was it that hunted game and brought it to me that I ate before him, before you came? And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even also, O oh my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob, cheater, supplanter? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac said to him, behold, I have made him Lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine, I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? He also said to his father, have you but one blessing, father? Bless me also, oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father answered and said, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you will live, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And I, I, again, if you look down the line, the Edomites, the land that they were given, they lived in the most desolate part of, of, of Canaan, the mountains and the desert, and they fought for a living. And, and, I, and Israel always dominated them during Saul and during Solomon and during David. And eventually they did break the neck of, of Judah when King Ahaz was king, but it's years later. It doesn't sound much like a blessing, See, this is the result when everyone's doing it my way. You think you get what you want, and you do, and then you realize I don't want it. There's division in this family. We're gonna find out next week. Jacob 
I mean, Esau is going to try to kill Jacob now. He's going to wait till his daddy's gone. But he's like, I'm going to kill him as soon as dad's gone. So Jacob has to run away from the family. Jacob runs away for so many years, he never sees his mom again. Her sweet little boy who she loved. You got a little smooth face. Oh, he's so sweet. He's so good. She never sees him again. She never sees all her grandkids. And she's got a plethora of them coming. And she doesn't get to see one of them. She did it her way. Right? And this division and anger in the family, there's actually gonna be some peace between Jacob and Esau down the line. But the families are going to fight for thousands of years. And it goes all the way to a manger in Bethlehem where a Messiah is born from the line of Jacob. And there is a king sitting on a throne five miles down the road in Jerusalem. You know what his name was? Herod. You know where Herod is? Herod is an Edomite. He comes from the line of Esau. And he's trying to kill Messiah. And his descendant, eventually, 33 years later, does send him to the cross, right? That's the tension of this family that goes way beyond here. Because when we do it my way, that's where we get, right? And, and, and here's my encouragement to you. You cannot, just, just listen to me as your pastor who has done this myself and feels the, the tension there. You cannot sow to the flesh and reap from the spirit. You sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. If you think that your anger, that you just light everyone up in the room at home and at the office, if you think that that won't come back, that crop, and bring destruction to the family, intention, if you think your lust, whether you're married or you're 16 years old looking on the computer or on your phone, you think that that will not come back and destroy oneness down the line in your marriage? You think that you're, this relationship right now, 17-year-old, that you think, oh, I'm just in high school, it's no big deal. If you don't think that will come down the line when you're 33 and impact your marriage, future marriage, future spouse in some way, I'm just telling you, it will. It just will. If you think that unbridled greed that you, just, you, you have to work 80 hours a week because you have to get ahead in all these things. You can't just be content with where you're at. You think that that will not come back? It's your way. I'm just telling you, it leads to destruction and division and heartache. That's where my leg leads. Let me leave you a couple verses. Um, Proverbs. Two times God says this in his word. He actually puts a verse in, he does this a couple times. He actually puts this verse in the Bible twice just in case you missed it the first time. If you were absent on the day you did the 14th. He says, there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but its end is the way to death. Right? Twice he writes it. You think it's, it's the gut feeling or it's what I want. He says, this is the road to destruction. This is why See, our heart is wicked. We can't be trusted. And this is why someone from outside has to come in and speak truth and bring light. And the good news is this God has done that. He has given us light. He has given us his spirit to lead us to all truth. And he has given us his word. He has not left us as orphans. And his word, the psalmist says, is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. Because you're in the dark. And you need that flashlight. And so the right way is not what I think, what I want, what I want to do, my gut. The right way is God's word. It's being governed by the truth of God's word. And that sounds very Christian. That's because it is. 
It sounds very cliche. It's because it's true. Right? That, that's the right way. And Isaac actually gets it finally. It's a little late in this passage, but in verse 33, I don't have a slide, but he says uh, to his son, um, I have blessed him. And yes, he shall be blessed. He says, I can't do anything about it. God has spoken. It is a done deal. He finally comes to the place where he gets it. That the plans of, uh, many are the plans of the mind of man, but the purpose of the Lord will stand. He gets there in a hard way. In verse 37, his son says, Don't, can't you do anything for me? He says, I can't do anything for you, son. I've already blessed him. God's word stands. Dang it if I didn't wish I did it earlier this way. Saved you some problem, trouble, Esau. Saved us some heartache. Right? In the end, the sovereign will of God is accomplished. That's, that's huge. Uh, here, here's what I want us to get to, though. Here's a psalm that... One verse in Psalm 18, I think this would be worthwhile for you to memorize. I have hidden, I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This, this is just a starting place for us today. And I, and I want you to see this. I actually want us to read this together out loud because I think this is significant for us to hear. Think about the words. Think about what the psalmist is saying as we all read together. Let's read this. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge. That's, that's a significant statement. This God, his way is perfect. Not my way, his way. Now, his ways are not my ways, but his way is perfect. His word is, it's true. And he is a shield for all those who take refuge. Don't you wanna be behind the shield of God? I mean, don't you want that protection and that refuge? Or would you rather be out on your own? Here's another one for you. I'll just read it. I don't have a slide for it. Psalm 119, verse 68. It's a simple little verse. You are good and do good. So here's that response. Teach me your statutes. You are good and you do good. Because you're good and you do good, teach me your statutes. That's what Psalm 18, your way is perfect. That's, that is that we are to be governed by. That is God's will for us. That is for us to be where we go. And, and we've made God's will in life this mystical kind of spoo, spooky little thing, right? What's God's will for me? I don't know. When it, most of you, when some of you young people hear what's God's will for me, you're thinking, how hot is she? Or what's my job? That's what God's will is. And it's not that God doesn't care about your job or your spouse, but here's the thing, big picture. God cares more about who you are than where you are. If you are who you are supposed to be, God will get you where. So if you're like, okay, I'm praying that God would show me who I should marry. I'm sorry to tell you, you're not gonna find a verse in the Bible that says, go marry Susie. Psalm 119, 109. Go marry Susie. You say, well, what's God's will then for my marriage, for my future marriage, for my relationships? You wanna know what God's will is? He's given us big picture principles. Be holy as he is holy. Pursue purity and not immorality. Be generous, sac sacrificial in your life. Serve one another. That, that's what your relationships will look like. If that's what you're gonna do, you know what? God will make you meet Susie one day. You'll meet her and you'll know but you don't have to worry about it. You say, what, what do I do about my job? Should I move to Cleveland? God would never lead you to Cleveland. 
What's God's will for your job? You wanna know what God's will is? Whatever you do, in word or deed, Paul says, do all the glory of God. Work hard for God rather than men. If you're working hard and just being an excellent employee, guess what? If God wants you in Cleveland, which he probably doesn't, but maybe he will, he'll get you there. And it'll actually be delightful, believe it or not, because God can make even Cleveland delightful. So what's God's will for um, my money? Where should I give money? Here's God's will. Be content with what you have. Be generous with what you have. Give off the top, not at the end, because you only give your leftovers. And trust God. And then he'll lead you to where to give and what to do. What's God's will for uh, my response to the word of God? I mean, how am I supposed to respond to the word of God? He tells us, First Peter, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. What's God's will for my, the way I speak, the way I talk to people, the way I talk to my mom, the way I talk to my employees? Real easy. Put aside all malice and guile and slander and hypocrisy and envy. Right? Be kind, be gentle, speak truth and love. That's how you use your mouth, not gossip. Oh, what's God's will for me interacting with non-believers, for non-Christians? Keep your behavior, Peter says, excellent among the Gentiles. So then the thing in which you are slandered as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, glorify God. Live excellently, live kind, be a great employee, be a great neighbor, be gentle, love your neighbor. That's God's will. What about for if people hurt me? Forgive them. What if they hurt me twice? Forgive them again. Don't be bitter. Put all aside bitterness. What about if I had all this stress and I got all these worries? Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What about when I fail? What about when I sin? Again, if we confess our sins, John says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has given us big picture principles. Does he tell you to move to Cleveland or Mary Susie? No. But if you will be concerned about the big pictures, here's a big one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might. If you are loving God with all your heart, if you are desiring him, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. That's what the psalmist says. If you're loving God with your whole heart, guess what? He is going to make your desires his desires. And so he'll actually give you your desires. It's not I love God and he gives me what I want. No, I love God. I start loving what he loves and then he gives me that. That, that's God's will. The Christian life is, is not complex. It is not easy, but it ain't rocket science. Here's what God says, boom, pursue that. And so if you're, if you're in that place where you're like, ah, what do I do? Do what's clear. <laughs> do what's clear. And here's the beauty of this passage, and we'll close with this. All this, this chaos, this dysfunction, does God still use it for his glory and to bless you? He absolutely does. And maybe you have made a train wreck of your deal like Jacob and Isaac. But like God says in the, in, in the Old Testament to Joel, sometimes the locusts come and they strip it bare, but God can recover that. Sometimes you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but you can be forgiven. And you can from this day on See the hand of God in your life if you will put yourself under the scriptures. If you'll do it his way and not your way. That's what blessing is. And so as we move to worship, just remember this. God is more committed to blessing these folks and you than you are actually to getting blessed. 
This is proof. These guys try to train wreck the plans of God and he still blesses their socks off. That's the kind of God we have. And he has done son and his son. And if you failed and you, you messed it up, you are not too far gone for this God to redeem. But you gotta come his way. You gotta come through Jesus. He's good. We're gonna worship and respond. And I know some of you are anxious to get to Barnes. There's no more Golden Corral anymore. That's unfortunate. But just, can you sit just for 10 minutes as we sing a couple songs and just let the Spirit of God in you maybe reveal to you where you are not being governed by him. Why don't you ask him, God, where has this showed me? Where are you not giving room for God to move? Where are you trying to rush in and seize control? This is, we give this 10 minutes at the end just for that. And I know you got things to do and places to go, but would you sit just for, not sit physically, but metaphorically, would you in this room with the, with the people of God just search your heart enough to say, where am I trying to control? Where am I not being governed by the truth of God's word? Let him speak to you in that and respond with, with the way he would want you to, running back to the Father and say, I'm sorry, I want your way. Your will be done. That's why we give this time. It's not because we do love singing, but it's, it's so that you can allow your heart to just rest in this. And if you need to be prayed over or someone to share with, our prayer team will be in the back hall afterwards. Grab a, grab a guy, grab a girl with a, a lanyard that says prayer team or one of the pastor's staff. We'd love to pray for you, encourage you in any way. That's why we're here. Um, but don't miss this moment because you gotta go eat barbecue. The barbecue is not that good, I promise. But God is. So let's taste and see that he is good. Why don't you stand and we'll pray and we'll sing just a few moments. Father, I thank you for truth of your word that you allow us to know you, that you've drawn us to yourself. I pray wherever we're at this morning that you would just use your word to draw us to yourself and to your son. It's in his name we pray for his glory. Amen.